The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 205 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I'm Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host Zandrick Ellison out in LA. I usually add that, but we're skirting COVID protocols over here, Zan. So I'm a little off my game this morning, but how are you? I'm doing well. Um, we're all healthy over here, ready for the NBA Finals. And in fact, that, that was one of my notes was, it's nice to see an NBA Finals with arguably the two best teams that are basically at full strength. I mean, you know, Robert Williams should be back, ready to go. I think Gary Payton's playing. I think yeah, that actually, know, that actually just Otto broke. Porter's playing, right? I mean, it yeah. seems like everyone's ready to go. How Gary Payton, he must have had such like a clean, you know, we're not doctors over here, but like he must have had such like a clean elbow fracture. Like I thought he was just finished, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like Gary Payton's on track to play. And like that really matters, like not to kind of dive right into it, but Gary Payton is the best defender on the Warriors on the perimeter. You know, Draymond's right. obviously and some great. stats say he is the best perimeter defender in, in the league. I don't in know. The NBA. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's dive into it. We have nothing else to talk about, just the finals. So no, Jeff, Van, Jeff Van Gundy, who like quite clearly had COVID. Um, when was game seven? Friday night? Yeah. Sunday night? I don't remember. But Jeff, you know, Mike Breen gets COVID, doesn't doesn't announce that they add in Mark Jones. And then Jeff Van Gundy, by the end of the game, sounded like he needed to be taken out of there on a stretcher. And it just came out that he tested positive. So we're recording Thursday morning. The game is game one is tonight. But Jeff and Gunny will not be calling game one because I mean, and, and with good reason, he would have tried to, I'm sure, play through it, but he is uh, down for the count as it sounded like he was going to be uh, at game seven. But do you have any thoughts on Boston and Miami before? Thought, no, not really. You know, I bet Boston in game seven on the road. I just thought they were a better team, but Miami was like one of the circumstances where like they had to play really well to sneak out wins and like over the long haul, that that's hard to do. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a testament to Jimmy Butler that he was able to. I mean, obviously his game six performance was just outstanding. And credit to you, a little bit in saying like, you know, if Jimmy Butler gets to the line, like he's really hard to stop. He shot eleven free throws in game six. He, he drops forty seven points. They win in Boston in, in just like a spectacular game. And then game seven, like it looks like the game's over, right? Like the whole game, it was just like, all right, Miami just has Jimmy Butler. <laughs> like Kyle Lowry yeah. was, was atrocious. Like Tyler hero, like he, he tried to play, obviously couldn't bam. is just not as good when he has to be kind of that next up guy. It's not, you know, not who he is. He's kind of Draymondy in that role where if you get scoring from him, it's, it's great, but you know, he provides other things. And then Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter is just like, you know what, let's make it a game. And I, and I understand he's, he's getting, in my opinion, unfairly criticized for the pull-up three yeah, down two I agree with, that. with like yeah. 17 seconds. Cause he, he was hitting some really hard shots before and game, shots. He shouldn't theoretically right. take, but he was hot, especially in games, you know, six. So it's and like, some, someone explained to me how like they expected, first of all, assuming that he was going to drive to the basket and get an and one is, is real galaxy brain. But like, even if he ties it, they have to stop boss on the last possession. And then like, are they really going to win in overtime? Like Jimmy had already played every minute of the game. 
the rest of the team looked like a, like a mash unit, Sam. Like, and, and this is this is no knock on Miami. Like, uh, kind of what we said is they're so mentally tough. They're definitely tougher than Boston. But at the end of the day, Boston has been the best team since I don't know the end of January, and so it, it makes sense yeah, that they're, I, they're I, in the finals. Maybe against full strength from uh, against full strength Milwaukee, full strength right. I won't no, say I Boston, but Milwaukee or probably, Brooklyn. but. And then maybe full strength Miami beats them too. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. Well, think it's so. interesting just to like close the book on Miami. Like they have more questions going forward than most teams that were the one seed to lose in the conference finals. Like, yeah, you're talking about their starters this year. Duncan Robinson started 68 games in the regular season. And then got trust him. Yep. PJ Tucker started 70 games. He's 37. Just turned 37. Kyle Lowry was a starter. Obviously, just turned 36, and he has a big contract. So, like, where two. do you go from here? I don't. Yeah, know. and then. Tyler Hero, who is a really good player, don't get me wrong, like his agent comes out like the day after the finals or the Eastern Conference finals or whatever and says he wants to start next year. It's like, all right, man, come on now. Like, like what are we doing? Can we at least get to our like yeah. end of season meetings before you do this? And and I, you know, PJ Tucker was really good this year. And like you can see when guys go to Miami and they commit to like their health and fitness program, like he looked much lighter. He he still provides excellent defense. He's still just a spot up jump shooter, which is what he's been for years. But like Kyle Lowry, I want to blame it on the injury for sure, because the hamstring definitely slowed him down, but man, he looked bad in the playoff. Like they were better. In my opinion, I understand why Spo didn't like go away from him because there just wasn't that many better options. And Oladipo is just not a shot maker at this point. It's not who he is. Like, but they were significantly better without Kyle Lowry in the, in the playoffs. And it's not, Again, maybe if he's fully healthy, that's different. But I agree with you. Like, he's got two years left on his deal. He's clearly going to be back. I would imagine PJ Tucker will be back. But like, are we really relying on like Max Struess to take another jump? He's a really good player, but you're paying Duncan Robinson eighty million dollars. Like, I mean, that's a huge problem to me. And if you're just going to use him in the regular season and then bury him, like, then Miami's probably got a ceiling unless yeah. they can get a super clean bill of health. But I, I do, you know, I thought Jimmy Butler should have won. The, the Larry oh, really? trophy is like stupid to me. Somebody like, he, voted for him. I just thought he was clearly the best player in the series. And like, he had some bad games too. Though. He did. He did. But like Jason Tatum is, is a really good player. And like, we'll get to it in a second, but like there are some clear areas where like Jason Tatum cannot carry you that mm-hmm. like Jimmy Butler just, just can. And I don't know. It's, it's really interesting to me that I think Jimmy Butler should take more threes. I know that like there's this DeMar DeRozan thing, but like I saw a stat, I don't remember who showed it, but probably have Rallabob, but like over a third of Jimmy Butler's threes in the regular season are like late shot clock, like five seconds or less on the shot clock. So they're classified as like heaves and he shoots 35% from three when he, when he doesn't have the ball with five seconds or less and shooting a three on the shot clock. And that's pretty interesting to me. And I just wonder if like Jimmy Butler should probably expand his shot profile a little bit because he does it in the playoffs a lot, but he also is much more heliocentric in the playoffs than he typically is in the regular season. So I don't know, That's but I, I agree. I, and I, I understand what you're saying about Jason Tatum because he's the best, obviously the best scorer for Boston, the best overall player, and probably gets like a lion's share of the credit for awards voting. And looking ahead, if Boston wins the series, like should be the overwhelming favorite for for a finals MVP, but it's really, as you mentioned, like their defense is really good. It's so good. And and here's another thing, like Jalen Brown was really good in game seven. And like, I just don't understand. Jason Tatum is awesome. Please don't get me wrong. Like he's really good, but like 
the, the the narrative that like surrounds the Celtics and why they're good like doesn't make sense to me. Like Jason Tatum gets so much credit for like his defensive acumen as well, like how good he is defensively. It's like, oh, he's a, such a great two-way wing. And it's like you have another like excellent two-way wing. Marcus Smart, despite the fact that we laud him, is an excellent defender. Yeah. Robert Williams is an excellent defender. Al Horford, who is not as good in space because he's 50 years old, is an excellent smart defender. Like, why does Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, for that matter, like, why do they get so much credit defensively when, like, they, they have well, so many yeah. other good defenders? I actually just wrote a long post about why Boston is suddenly so good. Statistically, the best team in the league, statistically, the best team of their, like, you know, Brad Stevens era. Yeah. And I think, like, they were miles. Like, I think Golden State and Boston finished. Boston was number one in D, and Golden State was two, I believe. But I think, like, Boston, since, like, you know, the second half has been like miles better than everyone defensively. And I think it's shown in this playoffs. Yeah. Well, let me give you some stats here since you've quoted some stats to me. So last year, Boston in the regular season was 36 and 36. They got blown out by Brooklyn in the playoffs. They were never like really even in it. It Yeah. I looked it up. They lost four, one, their point differential was like minus 55. Jalen Brown was hurt, I think. Right. Um, But, and they started this year, 18 and 21. Yeah, we actually had an episode about how it just wasn't working in Boston. So that's not great. It's tough yeah, for us. Yeah, and then they, they surged. And then how good is their defense? They held opponents to the league-worst three-point percentage and the league-worst two-point percentage. Yeah, so, like, close. almost across the board. And my diagnosis, you want to know, like, why I thought the team was better? Because it's basically the same team as last year. I mean, it's different at the margins. You added Al Horford, who helps a lot. I mean, he's a huge part of that. And Robert Williams yeah. was good last year, and he's been, you know, borderline great at his role up until the playoffs. Yeah. My, my the- thesis is this. Like, basically, is that, like, they supersized their team in the sense of last year, they Robert Williams wasn't fully healthy. He was only playing, like, 18 minutes a night. And there was some question, like, can this guy be a full-time starter? It's like, yes. Turns out, yes, he can. He could be one of the better defenders. And a big guy like Al Horford can play with him because he's, you know, versatile. And then I think really one of the keys to the team was, you know, for years they've been playing these little scoring guards like Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving and they, they brought Walker. in Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, Schroeder. Uh, yeah, Kemba Walker, and who scored okay. It's just that he makes your team smaller and worse defensively. And I think they think at this point Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart are good enough passers that they don't need and good enough scorers, especially Tatum, that you don't need a like a, you know, a score heavy little point guard anymore. So it's like, let's play Marcus smart at point guard, but basically he's like a big wing defensively. Yeah. The Drew, and then you the, have like a massive team. Yeah. It's the Drew holiday, like perimeter guy that we've talked about where he's technically a guard, but he can guard the other team's best wing. He's a good, not great shooter. He's Drew is obviously better than Marcus smart, but like can get to the rim, can get hot, you know, smart could give you 30 points a game in, in a random one. Then he can give you like a, two for 30. Yeah. I guess we, we, let's dive on Boston before we go into Golden State. Yeah, well, and then also just like one last point on that, like, cause Boston, Marcus Smart used to Avery Bradley, same thing where it's like, they're good defenders, but if you have to play them like on small forwards or something, they can do it. It's just like, you know, you're, you're suddenly a kind of a small team according to basketball reference position estimate which tends to a lot of it just be like based on height it's like so where, you, where you are yeah exactly yeah so you, who knows if it's accurate but for three years ago they said marcus smart played five percent of his minutes at point guard eight percent the next year they claim this year he has played a hundred percent of his minutes at point guard 
So that shows you just like how big the team has been. Yeah. And I mean, I think like I would go on there and look and see like, what, what does it say? Luca has played a point guard, right? Cause he's their point guard, but like, right. Sometimes they go by height. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they shift and say Harden was a point guard or shooting guard. Smart is definitely like the de facto bring the ball up the court guy. Now, one thing with Boston is they do push. They're excellent in transition and, and everybody pretty much can take it out of the rim and go with the exception, you know, Horford can kind of do it. Robert Williams obviously can't, but like those wings, like they do it. But one of the, big adjustments that Boston made. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how this will carry over into the finals is that like, they essentially just went to a seven man rotation, right? Like Derek white is the seventh guy and he plays that Marcus smart role. He gets open threes. He's going to have to make them in this series, but like essentially like Peyton Pritchard, I, I think played right around like 15 minutes a game, but didn't really play much at the end of the series. They buried Daniel Tice who was playing and because of the way that Golden State has offensive rebounded and the potential that like Marcus Smart's ankle injury is an issue and Robert Williams's knee certainly seems like an issue. It was hard, yeah. I think, for him to like get going. He missed some games against Miami. Like they haven't had much rest. They played, you know, a seven game series here. That four game series against Boston was was hard fought, but obviously a seven game series or against Brooklyn and then a seven game series against Milwaukee. So like this is a team coming into the finals that has played a ton of minutes and they're only playing seven guys. Are they going to have to play Daniel Tice because of how how good on the offensive glass Golden State has been? Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins are the two leading offensive rebounders in the playoffs. I think they both have 77. That's that's a great point. And then also, I think Golden State is more comfortable with their depth, deep depth, like Gary Payton. You know, they played Moody a little bit. They're fine with that. They can, you they know, can play Kim, playing. They can you play Kaminga some if they have to. Yeah. I, I mean, aside from down low, I don't know if they're going to go back to Bielitsa who played a little bit. I don't know. I mean, apparently they're going to dust off Andre Iguodala, I guess. I, I don't know. I He's can like see that. Well, you know what practice. you can do? But, do you want to go like... He makes sense. If he can if he can defend at a, let's just say, an above average level for 10 minutes a game, like that's a really good weapon to have because of how Boston plays and how they score. Yeah. If I was Golden State, I would try to, you know, make this sort of a, a depth gain you know like try to wear them out a little bit and, and see if boston only trusts six or seven guys yeah I'm, i am very interested to see what boston's rotation looks like like we know that you know tatum's gonna play 40 minutes a night we know that jalen brown's gonna play 40 minutes a night but like can al horford keep doing that he seems like he's in good enough shape i, I just am gonna be totally honest like i don't think robert williams can and i don't think it's because you know he's like not in shape or anything i just think he's injured right yeah and he, Mark- he's always like kind of been capped at his minutes anyway um, yeah, he only so let's, go, let, let's do this if you'll minutes. indulge me. Like, this is really minutes. the only matchup we have, obviously. Indulge me in this. Like, let's let's really break it down and, and go like guards, forwards, bigs, or whatever. So, like, if you look at the guard matchup, obviously Warriors yeah, and Steph and, and Poole, yeah. who have you know huge scoring potential. Do you, but Boston, I think, among people is really well equipped to defend them with Marcus Smart and Derek White, who's a good defender. Like, do you think those guys are good enough to yeah. slow down Steph and Poole? I mean, I think Smart is a very good defender on Steph Curry. And again, I, I just wonder how healthy he is. I, I think it, it is, it's shown on offense for sure as like Boston's just kind of been like a turnover machine in the games they've lost. And the way that Miami pressures the ball, obviously, is different than Golden State. But Golden State forces turnovers. They're very good defensively. They play a lot like Boston in the fact that they switch a ton. But like, I am not as worried about Jordan Poole, I don't think, just because, like, they, they do struggle against rim protectors. And so, like, if Robert Williams can give you, like, legitimate right. rim protection, like, I don't know that Poole 
you know, he, he struggled. He had some good games against Memphis, but he struggled later in that series against Jaron Jackson. And then when they played Steven Adams, he, he really sort of struggled. So, and, yeah. And I think it was notable that uh, Phoenix uh, did, sorry, not Phoenix golden state had a, a lot of success attacking Dallas. And they did. And, th- and that's because Dallas had no rim protector. Right. right. And so, so like that's going to change. And Andrew Wiggins, as good as he was in the Dallas series, you know, I think he only shot 30% from three. And now obviously he has different things in his role that he does. And, and the offensive rebounding, and the plus defensive has been an, a really welcome change for him. But like in terms of the guard matchup, obviously I would say Golden State's better, but because Boston doesn't really play a lot of guards, if you will, like, you know, if Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are in the game together, somebody has got to guard Jalen Brown. Yeah. Right. And you also would... like as good as Gary Payton is as a defender, you don't necessarily need him to shut down Marcus Smart, shut down Derek White. No, whoever, guard Jason... like, you don't think he'll yeah. guard Jason Tatum when he's in no, the I game? No, I guess he will. He I could guard a bigger guy. Um, but let's talk about the wing. So well, I think, wing- I think real quick on this yeah. Gary Payton thing, I wouldn't even include him as a guard, right? Because they play him at the four That's mostly. True. Like they'll play him in this like sort of pseudo death lineup with Draymond at the five, and then like Pool because his hand. I mean, I'm sorry, not Pool Payton because his hands are so quick. I think they think will bother Jason Tatum because the one thing with Tatum and Brown is like. These guys love live ball turnovers. It's crazy how many turnovers they, you know. Tatum has been averaging over four. Which, which again, you're going to turn the ball over when you have the ball as much as they do. But it's like. And he's trying to pass more. Right. But there are random moments where like Jalen Brown tries to dribble and you're like, what, what is going on? Like, did you get your talent taken by the Monstars? And then Tatum does the same stuff where like, you know, he tries to force it. And so what I do think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of ISO from Boston. Like Golden State, obviously, they'll spread it out and they'll throw the ball around and they'll extend Curry even further out to try to keep that defense open in the middle. But I think Boston is just going to relentlessly hunt one of Steph, Poole, or Clay when they're in the game. And I think that it's, so, it'll be interesting to see what Clay has in his back pocket because he's looked very Right. That was going to be my next question because, like, if you look at the wings, Boston scores with Tatum and Brown, you know, over 20 points a game. Who, if you're Steve Kerr, like who are you comfortable defending them? Because you have options. You know, is Clay healthy enough to do it? You know, Wiggins can guard somebody. Yeah, I mean, do you Wiggins, bring in, as you mentioned, Gary Payton? Do so you play Otto Porter? How do you defend? My assumption is that Wiggins will be the primary Jason Tatum defender to begin, and then if he just gets absolutely like you know torched, I think Payton will have a turn. My guess is Clay will be on. Jalen Brown to start, I would assume. And they, they kind of will just be like, Hey, stick with him because, you know, I, I think you would rather have your weaker defender on the guy who's weaker in terms of getting to the rim and driving in space. One of the biggest things to me, because we know how golden state will play on offense is that they need to be back in transition, like a hundred percent in the half court. I, I just don't know if Boston can score enough. And although golden state, I think is going to struggle to score at times because that's what Boston does to you. I think in the half court, they they definitively have an edge because of their shooting. And they, they just have more creators at different spots. And it, it just is what it is to me. But I do think Boston can turn this into a more of a transition attack. And I think that will bother Golden State because they do have, I would say, like some disinterested defenders when shots go up, especially because they are offensive rebounding as hard as they can. And so it'd be interesting to see if Boston's like, all right, you know what, like, we're going to keep the floor less balanced and maybe give up some offensive rebounds to try to get out in transition to try to score more. Because I do think there are, this team is the best to equip is the best equipped to guard Boston's wings. In my opinion, they have, they have tons of options if they can 
figure out the right lineups. And they don't get caught. And I think that's why Clay's defense is going to be so interesting because it's like, I'm not like a pro scout. You are better at this than me, but like, how is his lateral quickness? Can he guard these guys? I think it's been, I think it's been bad personally. And and like the thing is with there's, there's a couple things in play here for Colton state. Like obviously Boston has better wings. That just is what it is. Right. And, and I don't really count clay as a wing. So it's basically like Wiggins and auto Porter and Iggy against Brown and Tatum. And then more than likely we would probably throw, I guess, Grant Williams into this mix. I don't know. He kind of counts as a big, but I just think it's going to be really interesting. You can hide Jordan Poole or Curry. You can't – it's it's hard to hide guys on smart because he's so active. Mm-hmm. Like when Derek White's in the game, like you can, he's going to hit 10 threes. Like, all right, man, good, GG. Well, I was even great. thinking like Clay. you know, if he's slower, he's at least decent size, decent strength. Can you hide him on like a Grant Williams? I mean, is that really going to hurt think, you that much? You know, I think they'll try to do that. I would imagine Draymond will have the bulk of the Horford matchups, but he does play that sort of like rover role. So it'll be interesting to see how they guard strong side three-point shooters, especially with the way that Draymond plays and the, the amount of time they switch. And that, that's the thing with, with Golden State. Like they're not going to change the way they defend, just like Boston's not. So like, they're just going to try to pre-switch is, is my guess. Like they'll do, a, I think what will happen is they'll do what Dallas did against Phoenix when they were like in games one and two against Phoenix, they just hunted Luca, like especially late in the game. And my guess is they'll hunt Curry is because, you know, you want to tire him out on offense to, or on defense. But I think if that happens, then I think Golden State will do a better job of making it more difficult for Boston to get switches into pick and rolls. Because like it's like, all right, we have to hunt the specific switch. If we if you get them that switch with like 11 seconds left, that's much more difficult than if they get that switch with 18 seconds left, right? And I think that'll be one adjustment I'll expect to see is that they'll pre-switch earlier, especially with Draymond, because that's a guy that they're very comfortable with guarding you know, anybody on, on Boston. That's the one big matchup advantage. I think that that Golden State has on the defensive end is that they have Draymond and Boston, in my opinion, doesn't have somebody that can guard all of those positions. Yeah. And, and Boston's bigs aren't going to like, you know, be scorers really down low. So like, do you think it's the same old for, for Golden State where it's like Draymond and Looney as our centers, basically? I think so. I think they'll they'll finish small unless Looney is really, really relentlessly hammering the glass, which, you know, against Dallas he was, but against Boston I wouldn't expect that advantage. I do think the bigs are a little bit – I think Golden State has better bigs, personally. I, I know that it's it's interesting because – Do you like, think they're better bigs than Boston, like with Robert Williams, you're saying? I think green and I'd rather have green oh, and Looney okay. in this series than I would Horford and Williams. At, at, if Robert Williams was fully healthy, I'd certainly rather have them. But Horford looks a bit, <laughs> a bit winded to me. And uh, like I said, I just don't think Robert Williams is healthy. And so I'm very curious to see how he protects the rim. That to me, that's the biggest matchup. If, if Robert Williams is able to really put a lid on the basket and, and keep guys for like pool from, mm-hmm. from going to the rim and just make Golden State a three-point shooting team, I think it's going to be hard for Golden State. If he cannot do that, I think Golden State will probably have the most success against Boston that anybody has had. Well, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about the matchups. It sounds like both teams are pretty well equipped to defend well, which makes sense. They're the top two rated defenses. Um, so we could have some slugfests here. Yeah, and I the, think, so what, like, what's your overall take on the series? Cause it's been close odds 
have favored Golden State, but that's partly because the public likes Golden State and seen Golden State win before. They have home court too, though, yeah, right? Yeah, and that matters. So it's it's listed anywhere from minus one forty to minus one sixty. Golden State's a three and a half point favorite, which means they would be, you know, if you just use like the three point rule, which doesn't always come into effect, but like they'd be half a point favorite on a neutral court, right? So yeah. it's not exactly one to one like it was for the NFL when you could just say like, all right, if a team is getting three, then they think the teams are even. But Boston getting three and a half, I I think. Given the rest advantage, now Boston has had a couple days off, obviously, but given the rest advantage and the addition of Jordan Poole, or I'm sorry, addition of Gary Payton, I lean towards Golden State in six. I There is a part of me, not to like go like hardo, like NBA old school eye test guy. There is a bit of me that thinks that this Boston team, while they've been tough most of the year, has had a pretty fortunate run of events, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they, they beat Brooklyn. Like they, they just did. Right. But no Ben Simmons or James Harden. They beat Milwaukee in an incredibly tough series where they had to win a game seven. Like that's a big deal, but no Chris Middleton. And then they beat Miami who was very clearly banged up. And then, you know, whether or not you think Tyler hero is their best player, they basically, you know, they didn't have Tyler hero for what half the series. And so Boston has been battle tested in my opinion, but I, don't know that they've gotten the best shot of everybody that they've played. And this is not a knock on Boston, right? Like you can only beat who you play. I just feel like, like you said, this Golden State team with their depth and with their top end talent is just better in my opinion than, than Boston is. And now, and I think Boston is probably not this super mentally tough group that we think. And so my question to you, Zan, is if like, let's say Golden State wins game one close and wins game two, like is Boston equipped to go back home and like win four out of five? I just don't think so. So I think it's, it's like of paramount importance that they come out and hit Golden State in the mouth. And I just worry that like the rest advantage is, is very big. I'm, I'm concerned about that if I'm a Boston. That's, that's a good point. So maybe Robert Williams is the key because it's like if he can give him 25 minutes a night and really keep him out of the paint, then it's just Golden State, yeah. you know. And- really relying on more threes. And I do think like we'll see Peyton Pritchard more in this series, right? Because he can guard a little bit better in this series. It's not just all these jumbo wings, like taking them off the bounce. Like he can play against Steph Curry, right? You don't really against Miami. It's just, a, it's a tougher series for him. And he still, he'll play every game anyway. But my assumption is that Boston will have to go a little deeper than, than seven or eight. But like after Daniel Tice, like the bottom of their roster is just like, it's just useless, right? Whereas like Golden State could conceivably Golden State could play any of the 12 guys that have played in the playoffs all the way down to like Damian Lee and Toscano Anderson. And you'd be like, okay, that, that makes some sense, right? Like these guys are capable. But Boston, like saying the bottom of their bench is like Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, like, you know, <laughs> Luke Cornett, Nick Stoskis. Like those guys aren't playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs. Well, this, so, like, would, what, this would scare me if I'm a Golden State fan. It's like Boston roster and what we're talking about, you know, one, you know, wing scorer as their best player, a really big team, good defensively. Reminds me a little bit of Toronto a few years ago, mm. beat Golden State without when they didn't have Durant. And if you really struggle to get inside, Curry, you know, you're relying on Curry shooting threes in that series. They lost four two undermanned but curry shot 41 percent from the field 34 percent from three and that's just not good enough to to beat a team like that they also box and won steph curry that series mm-hmm. this this golden state team is 
much better equipped to play a team like this, I think. You don't agree? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, but I think pool is going to be a key thing because it's yeah, like it's, pool it, looks it's, so it's, good at times and then he looks kind of useless other times. If he has five really good games, I don't see any re- way that Boston wins. Like if Jordan Poole averages, let's just say like 20 points a game, like four-ish assists a game, I don't I don't know how Boston can actually but, overcome that. But that's why Robert Williams, again, is so key because it's like if he can attack, he can have those games. But if it's just like... Yeah, if he can't, it's, yeah, it's just like, you know, can he get hot from three, you know, because you, you know, know, then it's just a shot in the dark. We like we like Jordan Poole. We're we're pro Jordan right. Poole, but like I don't necessarily, you know, I don't expect him to just like shoot 45% from three, right? Some of his, you know, innate ability is like how crafty he is and his ability to get to the rim and stretch the D or like collapse the D rather. And I think that that really matters. The other thing I'll say too, Zan, is that I'd be really interested to see if Robert Williams is not full strength, if Boston just decides like, all right, we're just going to go small. Like we're yeah. just going to try to turn it into a track meet. Cause my, my gut is like, they should go big and play really slow, but yes. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do that. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Boston. And then the other thing too, like, you know, this is, this is just projecting and speculating and who knows, but Golden State feels like a mentally tougher team to me. That's just, that was the point I was trying to make a minute yeah. ago when I kind of got off on a tangent. Is I just feel like Golden State's been here and they know what to expect. Yeah, and they don't get as rattled. I mean, like I could see Boston just being, you know, their stars are young. Um, and they can, you know, as you said, like turn into like a jump shooting ISO team. Like, and then Tatum does have these like funks, it seems like, where he just like does not seem as engaged. Um Jalen Brown, same thing. Like when it's rolling well, he, he's awesome. And then sometimes he just looks like, you know, he's not an all, like a max kind of guy. I don't know. Um, and then you you add in the fact that they don't have home court advantage. That <laughs> the, makes it potentially more dangerous. Yeah, the Jalen Brown, like obviously we, we agree that Robert Williams is really important. But like to me, like when Jalen Brown is really good for them, like when he's got it going and he's like getting to the rim and he's making jumpers, like obviously Boston's really hard to stop, but you're exactly right about like the Jalen, the Jalen Brown factor. Like there are some times when you watch him play and you're like, what, like what is going on? Yeah. They like, had some mental assets. You know what it kind of reminded me of? Didn't I already or say the, when the Monstars stole talent in space? <laughs> no, but you know what the, this is going back a ways, but um, the Utah jazz with Carl Malone and Stockton, when they were playing the bulls, like I think they had the better record yeah, they were better um, both years, right? They had, yeah, they they were sixty four win team, sixty two win team. I guess so. They were they weren't one year better record wise. Yeah, because like game six in ninety eight was in Utah, so I think it was. I don't think it was two three two then, right? It's, or maybe let's it was. See. I don't know. Yeah, game six was at yeah, it was two three two. So two, Utah, three, so Utah was the one seat, was the home. Yeah, so if they would have if they would have held serve, they would have won the series. Um, in the last two games. But then, like, Carl Malone would have, I'm looking it up, the last three games, 86, 82, 83, 81, 87, 86, all very close games. Um, Chicago won two of them. And there were those, like, little mental errors. The gas. At the, at yeah, the, the end. The most famous being him getting stripped and the yes. mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays, like, yeah. missing two free throws. And I think, you know, we saw that from Jalen Brown in game six, right? Like, he missed two huge free throws where it's like, what's going on? You're at home. Like you have a chance to close this series out. You can use the rest. And like Boston does do that sometimes. And and I'm not saying that was also the series with the great 96 to 54 game. 
Let me um, let me ask you a question. Hold on. You love narratives, right? You're, you're still off on this, like the good old days of basketball. But when I'm just looking up Utah, that game, you scored 54 points total. How many they points were Carl Malone? 22. Not bad. Seven turnovers, though. Really good. As a team, they shot one for nine from three. It shows I'm you, surprised like, the they even like, shot nine threes. Yeah. To be honest. Let me let me ask you a question about narratives for a second. We'll wrap. We'll go five more minutes. But how much pressure is on Boston here? Like. I talked a little bit about like, Hmm. you know, they've had a pretty fortunate run, but they've also been a great team this year. Like I wouldn't say that I think Phoenix has was the best team in the regular season. I think that's fair. I think golden state at full strength was excellent, but like Boston has been as good as any other team in the NBA since, you know, whatever the beginning of January, but you know that the East is going to be different next year, right? You might get a full strength Harden and Philly might be better. Miami's probably still going to be pretty good. Brooklyn, maybe you get a full strength Ben Simmons. Who knows? Maybe he decides he wants to play. I don't know. Milwaukee is I'm probably, not too worried about that. <laughs> probably going to be healthy. So, like, if you're Boston, Jason Tatum is very young still, obviously, and Jalen right. Brown is Tatum's young. Tatum's 24, Brown's 25. But but Al Horford is not young, right? And he's a huge part of what they do. You're going to have to they, – they got Robert Williams on a pretty good extension, but you're going to have to probably overpay Grant Williams. And, you know, he may be better suited just for the playoffs than he is for the regular season. Like, if you're Jason Tatum – yeah, you'd probably bet that at some point he wins a title if he doesn't win one now. But like, th- could could this honestly be Boston's best ch- shot? I, you know what? But I disagree with the conclusion. Like, I agree. Like, hey, you're in the finals. You're arguably the better you're, team. You're saying like there's not. As, I'm saying there should be a lot of pressure on them. You're saying no. I not. think there's less because it's a okay. first year coach. Your stars are you know 24, 25. You should expect to be back around here in the final four, at least next year. For Golden State, you're talking about you, these guys you, are in their 30s. This, think, this is probably their last. Do you think so, though? Like, you think you should pencil Boston in to be like an Eastern Conference finalist? Yeah. I, I mean, if you had to like say like the season ended, I think next year, I think both of us might still say Milwaukee is the best team in the East. Yeah. I don't and I think honestly, Boston I, would be I, a clear number two. I, I truly don't know. Because Boston also seems to have some areas around the margin that they can fill out a little bit better, too. And like, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. Like, I, I think that there is some pressure on Boston. I also do worry. Jason Tatum is an interesting individual. I, I'm certain you saw that, like, he, the screenshot of him, like, texting Kobe Bryant recently or whatever. Like, yeah, he texted yeah. him in front of games. A lot of like, my friends, they were not a big fan of that. I mean, it's just like, again, it's not really about you. But, like, he does have those moments where, like, you can tell, like, he wants to be Kobe, which is, you know, there's worse players to want to be, obviously. And so I do wonder if, like, in very big moments, everyone would say like, Hey, he stepped up to the plate this year. And I do agree with that. But like in very big moments, like, do you want a guy who you think is going to hero ball it when he's not, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we would say we think Steph is the best player in the series, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe you think Jason Tatum is the best player in the series. No, no. I mean, I think Steph's probably the most impactful player, but I just disagree with the idea that like the East is going to be so much better. Think of the West. That's true. Year. The West should be a lot better too. And I this mean, is like, again, think this about maybe, like the, the Clippers. Think yeah, about this the may be, Lakers. This may be Golden State's best chance for a while. I do yeah. real quick. want to end on one thing. On Wait, some, so what's your, your final prediction? I didn't even hear it. Golden Warriors State seven, and, Warriors and six, six, I think. Yeah. Uh, I want to reserve the right to re-record this tomorrow morning if uh, game one happens in Boston wins by 30. Uh, real quick, unsung hero for the Boston Celtics. What about my prediction? You don't care. You don't you, care. You think Golden State's going to win? No, Everybody I don't know that. about that. I, I think what do you got? If, you can't. You have to give a real prediction, man. No, I'm just saying I, I, I do think Boston is slightly better. And I think if it was in Boston home court, that would have tilted me to Boston in yeah, seven. I, I agree with that. Um, 
I'll say Golden State in seven, but I think, I think it's these really teams are, close. I think I, these teams are close as well. And I think like, yeah. you know, seven games is not a huge sample, but like if Golden State has a really hot shooting few games, it's going to be hard, you know? And I would take, if I was betting, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think the, the series is a lot closer than the odds. Not that the odds are minus huge. 160 but... isn't like crazy. And no, you said you crazy. saw it as low as like minus 140, right? Yeah. But if you can get plus Boston, if you can get plus 140 or something, I think, I think they're going to win one or two in, in Golden State. I That's a bullet prediction. I don't know about that. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, one, one thing, your guy, Kendrick Perkins, unsung hero for the Boston Celtics. He tweeted yesterday, the Celtics were 18 and 21 and 11th in the East on January 6th. On January 7th, I called the organization out and said that Tatum and Brown needed to be split. They took it mm. personally and it saved Whoa. their season. I need my damn ring if they win it all. Carry <laughs> I on. think he's kidding. Do you wow. think he takes himself very seriously? And he also takes himself very seriously as like a Boston Celtics legend, which is pretty. Well, I love that, like Kevin Durant, because it seemed like he was like a fan of Kendrick Perkins when they played together, but like yeah, he did call no, him out. No, like, he, just loved, he just loves beating on him. It's so funny. He called out Draymond Green, too. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, KD, I did see that. Where he was, he was like, saying Steph gets doubled and stuff. And Draymond which I think like, it's kind of true, actually. But K- yeah. KD was like, that's not how I saw it. But then like other coaches were like, yeah, we kind of defended Steph this way because like, they kind of were like a double, it was like a double-edged sword, right? It's like, yeah, we did double Steph, but also like you can't really stop KD, so it's smarter to double Steph, right? right? Like which you was, can't really take KD out because it was yeah, get a shot which off. Was, which was kind of interesting. I I, uh, I think I've done a full like 180 on Kevin Durant Twitter warrior. <laughs> I, I think I like Kevin Durant. You honestly. like it now? He adds a lot of things to the discourse that are just totally unnecessary, but also are very fun. Uh, also, I watched Kendrick Perkins uh, playoff stats in Oklahoma City in terms of (laughs) box plus minus. Take it with a grain of salt. This is year by year. Box plus minus. You love crushing OKC like Perk and Darren Fisher. Well, I mean, box plus minus impact per 100 possessions, let's say. I would say like negative one is bad, right? That's a big impact. He was probably like negative 13 or something. (laughs) It was negative four, negative three, negative nine, negative three. And he started Um, every game. Yeah, I mean, like, that's just like a hole. All right. That, that is he had a negative PER one year. I didn't even know that was possible. It's hard, it's hard to do. Uh, <laughs> that's it for us this week. Uh, enjoy the finals. We'll be back. I don't think – maybe we'll record after game two. Yeah, there's a lot of off-season stuff we could talk about. Yeah, but. so maybe maybe we'll try to maybe we'll try to do a couple – like, after each. Once the series switches cities, like, maybe we'll record. Hopefully it's a good series. That's the only thing I really care about, but – he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Uh, you can email the show, Ellison at gmail.com. And as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 